Welcome to the Fit Girl Magic Podcast. If you are ready to find your inner magic, develop great habits, and a rock steady mindset to feel confident, comfortable, and fit in your body, you are in the right place. I am Kim Barnes Jefferson, and I'll be giving you weekly doses of health, fitness, and life tips sprinkled with humor and real talk. If you're ready to be consistent without the stress of perfection, magic makers, it's time to slip into your favorite pair of PJs, grab some coffee, kick back, and listen to today's show. All right, I want to thank Miss Clara B. Lee from the Philippines. I've gone international, y'all. She leaves a great review here for me. She says, so many valuable health tips that you can learn from. It is a must listen. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much. Again, I appreciate every single review that comes my way. It tells me that I'm giving you the information that you're looking for, the information that you're yearning for. I know that when I was in my, you know, perimenopausal journey, I just was like, where can I turn to? What information can I find? And I'm grateful that I am giving that to you. These reviews mean the world to me. They light me up that I'm able to uh, help you in any way possible. So if you are listening to this, do me a favor, head over to iTunes and leave me a review. If you're like, girl, I don't know how to do that. Reach out to me. I will help you get that done. Have a great day and enjoy the rest of the show. Oh, welcome, Magic Makers. Today, I have such a great episode for you. All right. So I usually don't try to date my my podcast, but it's the end of the year. And so it's our last podcast of this year. And, you know, I feel like these, what I'm about to talk about, it's pretty much evergreen. So if you're listening to this in July, it still will have an impact on you. So I want to talk about the 23 myths of fitness that we must leave in 2023. You know, and in this time of year, many of us are starting to say to ourselves, all right, this is the year I'm going to, right, insert whatever it is that you're going to do, you know, eat healthier, go to the gym more regularly, sleep better, blah, blah, blah. So let's just dive into maybe some of the myths that you might be leaning into some of the things that you're like, oh, I thought that was true. And I want to make sure that you walk into 2024 with some great advice, some great information that you can start to really build some strong habits, build some strong routines that by the end of 2024, you'll be like, hey, girl, look at me. I crushed it. All right. So where do we start? I'm going to start with cardio. You know, cardio is one of those things that everyone's like, I must do cardio to lose weight. And I get that. You get on that treadmill, you get on that elliptical, you get on that bike and soul cycle, and you're just sweating. It just feels so freaking good. And you're like, I have must burn 4 million calories and I have probably dropped 400 pounds. However, cardio is important, but there's a balance. Right. And one of the biggest things that I tell people, especially about cardio, is that I want you to think about it. Imagine a graph. All right. So imagine a graph and we have cardio going down the left hand side and then we have hunger going along the right side, right hand side. As my cardio increases, my hunger increases. And maybe you've experienced that, you know, and for many people, 
it's a tipping point because, you know, I would love to give you this blanket number, like 30 minutes, girlfriend. And maybe for you, you're that person who can go for miles and miles and miles and 30 minutes. You're like, yeah, my hunger still feels okay. And maybe it's at that one hour mark that your hunger is like, Hey girl, feed me whatever's not nailed down in that fridge. And so for many people, it is a great way to get heart heart health. It's a good way to burn calories, but it's not the best way to do it. Building muscle is what's going to boost the metabolism. And that's what's going to give us that long-term weight loss. It's also going to make us feel a little uh, smaller, right? We're going to be shrinking instead of just focusing on does that scale go down. So what what's the best way should I, for me to focus on, think about something about 50 ish minutes in zone two. And that's where, you know, my, I'm, my heart rate's getting up there, but I'm not exactly crushing it. I could hold a conversation with a friend, right? So you feel sweaty, but you're not exerting yourself. Ladies, are you ready to revolutionize your daily routine and prove to yourself that you can be consistent? Say hello to Lifestyle 66. It is your ultimate companion for a smoother, steadier, and more sustainable journey towards living a healthy lifestyle. If you are tired of struggling to be consistent, just letting life just get in your way, that's why I created Lifestyle 66. It's here to make weight loss and healthy living effortless. No more intimidating challenges that make you feel like you have to radically shift your life in order to get results. I'm here to offer you realistic and sustainable activities that seamlessly fit into your daily life. Picture yourself 66 days from now basking in the glow of your remarkable progress without the guilt, without the shame, and a big fat smile on your face. Say goodbye to complicated schedules and grueling workouts. It is all about simple, healthy habits that support your genuine progress and sustain that forward momentum. So join Lifestyle 66 today. There is a special offer just for Black Friday and give yourself a chance to find consistency without the struggle. If you are ready to make weight loss effortless, even if you're menopausal, even if you're over 30, today's the day. It's your first step towards taking a more consistent and fulfilling life. So start Lifestyle 66 right now. Grab the link in my bio. Yeah, you know, like I said, having that conversation, you're consistently able to hit that heart rate range without being like, I must work really hard in order to get there. Um, Also, you know, building in some plyometric exercises. So think about like, and I'm not saying, you know, 400 burpees because I hate burpees. And if you ever work with me, if I've ever programmed a burpee, it's probably like once every like three years. Um, but you know, plyometrics could be box jumps. It could be jumping rope. Um, it could be, um, squat thrust, things like that, that give you kind of like, uh, a quick burst of energy, a powerful move, um, to help you kind of keep that neuromuscular conditioning and that bone strength, um, going. And then for those higher intensity, you know, I know some of my people out there, you know, you've, you've been like, I must do my hit. I have to, I'd say, you know, give that about 20 ish minutes a week, right. Getting that heart rate up into that 85, 95 percentile. And then, you know, focusing the, the, the bulk of that, that time in zone two. But if you're like, I don't have a lot of time, I'd focus purely on that zone two, getting in that like, just acts of daily living as much as you possibly can. 
The second myth is that you can spot reduce. And I think, you know, many of us have come to Jesus on this one that it's not possible, you know, where we gain our weight and where we lose our weight first is purely genetic. You know, for some of us, you know, we can start to say like, when we start to gain weight, we see it in our butts or our stomach or, you know, depend. you all have, we all know if we look at the women in our lives or in our families, we can see where they gain the weight. And we're like, yeah, that's where it's going to happen for me too. And so in spite of all of those magic creams, those belly busting workouts, um, it's really challenging just to target fat in one spot. You will lose weight over, over all. Um, it is possible to really think about like for, especially us women over 40, you know, many of you are like, well, it's my belly. And I really need that belly to go away for a lot of us. That belly comes down to really embracing a well-rounded approach to fitness and nutrition. And in my uh, belly fat code uh, course, I talk all about what, what are things we can do to really focus in on making sure we one may not get belly fat or get it as bad as we uh, think it is. And then two, how do we kind of focus through in our choices, our codes and building that consistency to really stop, um, stop that body fat from really building up in that area based on our hormonal changes, which leads me into weightlifting. And, you know, it's like, I've been lifting since I was in college and I can't imagine a day that I won't lift weights. And I know that many people here, you know, I teach a lot of different classes and different levels and I, and I see it. I see people who are like, oh, if I lift higher than eight pounds, I'm going to get bulky. And I'm like, who the hell is still share, like spreading this bullshit, right? It, it's, I wish, I, you know, if you were to um, lift weights and get bulky, I, I wish that that's the case. And so, I, you know, many of my clients are like, you know, I would love to just walk past the weight rack and the weight hop. Um, it just, that's just not the case anymore. Um, anymore, ding dong. That's just not the case. You know, so for women over 40, strength training is paramount, primarily because it helps to one, stabilize your metabolism, right? The more muscle I have in my body, the more calories I can eat, the more calories I burn just sitting here recording this podcast. Also, it is what helps me to shuttle the sugar around, right? So everyone who's like, I can't have sugar, lift some heavy weights because your body uses the sugar, aka the glucose to fuel the, that um, fuel that muscle. Also, Osteoporosis, you know, that is a true thing, you know, especially as our hormones are getting wonky. Um, estrogen is the driver of osteoporosis because we're it, we're not having it in the amounts that our body is used to. So when I start to uh, lift heavy weights, the muscle uh, pulls on the bone and that's what helps build that nice, strong bone. And, you know, heavy is relative. You know, I always tell people it's the last say two to three reps feel challenging, but doable, right? So it, whatever that rep range is for you, it could be you're lifting 10 pound weights. Great. If the last three feel challenging, but doable, you're lifting heavy enough. If I can like blow through those last three reps, girlfriend, pick up something heavier. And you know, if you're, if you're someone who's like brandy new to weightlifting, do me a favor, raise your hand. I know that it could be a little intimidating, especially like, I don't know what to do in the gym. That's okay. Raise your hand. You know, this 
there's plenty of us who, you know, are first steps uh, onto the other side of um, the weight room, but I want weight room, but I want us to celebrate our strength. I want you to think about this. Like, let's just talk about strength out and out in the wild, right? Wild strength, (laughs) getting off your toilet, right? How many times have you just, you know, I, I go to a pharmacist that's also like a health supply store and you see all of these aids that, you know, these aids that are on the other side of the toilet to help you get off the toilet. How many times do you see people trying to get out of a chair and it's like this, you know, lots of gyrations to get out of the chair, strength training, right? That's why strength training, you know, whenever I see that, I'm like, all right, girlfriend, I got to keep strength training because that's just not how I want to go out. Right? I don't want to, what I don't want to go out that way. Which leads me into this myth, you know, people like, oh, you can't build uh, muscle over 40. Bull, 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 bull. You know, it's possible to build and maintain muscle provided we have proper nutrition and training. And this is, this is what uh, is facts. Like we can't fight facts. This is biology. Your peak strength is uh, up to age 35. So if you're listening to this and you're under 35 and you're not strength training, I, this is, this is me shaking you by the shoulders and being like, get your booty into the gym. All right. That's, that's me shaking you by the shoulders. Now, if I'm 35 plus and I'm not doing strength training, we're losing three to 5% of our muscle every decade. Now you're probably like, you know, say we're 35 or you're 36, you're probably not going to really notice it until you're 46. And then if you don't do anything about it at 46, you're definitely going to notice it at 56. And here's where it gets, you know, like shit is real, right? 8% after 65. So from age 65 forward, it's 8% every decade. So it's pretty much double after we hit 65. So if you are now in your 40s, 50s, and 60s, this is my battle cry. Get your shit together now. And again, if you are like, I don't know what to do, girl, let's talk. I want to make sure that no one is like that person who's like, I can't get off the toilet without some help. (laughs) I want you to be able to get out of a chair. I want you to be able to lift a gallon of damn milk and without help or support. You know, our bodies are incredible, adaptable machines. And with the right exercise and nutrition plan, we can continue to build strength well into our like 80s and 90s. You know, I think so many of you probably have seen, you know, on the socials, uh, there's a woman by the name of Ernestine. There's another woman. I can't think of her name. um, Barb, Barb. I think she's 70 something. And like these women didn't start training until their 60s. And now they're like, I look at them. I'm like, okay, you are my role model. Tina Turner. Uh, Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett is 60 something years old and homegirl's got some arms on her. So, you know, there are role models out there that are in their like, you know, fifties that are like proof that like, yeah, you can build and hold muscle. All right. I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to be multiple times and be on my soapbox. If you've listened to this podcast before, you know, I get on my tangents. All right. Oh, another myth. I should avoid all fats. We grew up in diet culture. You know, we are the bleeding edge of diet culture. And diet culture, I remember, um, do you remember those uh, foods, snack wells, right? And it was like the low fat cookies. And they had these lemon cookies that, oh, I could like eat a whole damn box of those things in one sitting. 
but if how how they they just if there are no fat right so like oh if there's no fat this is really good for me right i must I, I must eat it but we didn't like realize all the crap that they were putting into it to take the fat out to make it taste really good and so we were taught to fear fat and it wasn't until i started competing that i really understood i started to get really down the rabbit hole of nutrition and i don't know if you know this but our brains our cell membranes are are made of fat, right? That's what what that's what primarily built as the building blocks of our cells and our brain, and that our hormones need fat to be at their at their uh be at their optimum, be at work at their best. And so, you know, I don't know if many of you know this, but it's cholesterol. The uh, so cholesterol, right? So many people are like, oh my god, cholesterol, my cholesterol. So cholesterol is what determines the um, softness or the rigidity of your hormone uh, of your cells. Like, so so softness is like it either I'm uh, nutrition is able to easily permeate the cell wall or not. And the the more cholesterol I have in my body, the harder it is for nutrition to get into the cell wall versus the lower cholesterol, a lot easier for the nutrition to get into the cell wall. Okay. But so, so many women, because in the eighties, early nineties, no fat, no fat, you avoid it. Right. You don't even think that putting in fat in your food, other than freaking olive oil, I am on my soapbox again, for the love of God, olive oil is not the only good fat out there. Repeat after me. Olive oil is not the only good fat out there. There are so many other healthy fats that are essential for your health. So here's here's what I'm going to tell you. Go to the oil aisle in grocery stores are ridiculous now. They are there's more than like, you know, canola oil and vegetable oil out there. So here the, here's what's a good fat. Any oil with the exception of these are the exceptions. Vegetable, canola, safflower, and Crisco. Those, and peanut, those are the exceptions, those five oils. But think um, nuts, avocados, uh, coconut oil. Uh, I know we, we can go down this rabbit hole about seed oils, not seed oils. I... I'm going to tell you, I am uh, in the camp of, I don't give a shit, especially if like, you know, seed oils for me are more about if you're someone who eats a lot of fast foods, Um, but I don't know about you, but sesame oil with Chinese food ain't the same. And if I'm eating that, you know, five, five meals a day, I'm eating sesame oil, different conversation than couple times a week, once or once a week, right? So, you know, you and I can have that conversation offline, but that's, that's how I feel. Like I'm more of a, if it's a sprinkle, it's a sprinkle versus a everyday um, occurrence. Um, But I'm back. So fat is, there's so many good things about fat. The other thing is our skin, all right? Especially in our forties. I don't know about you, if you ever noticed that, you are losing moisture. You know, I feel like I have to like literally bathe in body lotion every damn day because my skin just drinks it up. And so that's really helpful. Wrinkles. I don't know. My goal is to be like, how old is she? Like, does she age? That's my goal. 
you know, with or without skin enhancements, <laughs> that is my ultimate goal. So the only people who should be really mindful about their good fat consumption are those folks who do not have a gallbladder or have gallbladder issues. And, you know, I'm sure your doctor has given you guidance. If they haven't, raise your hand. Let's, uh, let's uh, talk about that. The other myth that I see this all the time is the more you sweat, the more calories you burn. You know, I, I see it all the time. You know, if there is a puddle of sweat around you at the gym, you're like, yeah, I'm crushing my workout. Ladies, 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 do not be fooled by sweat. Yes, a good sweat, a good sweat session feels makes you feel like King Kong, right? You're like, woo, I crushed that workout. But it's not the sole measure of workout effectiveness. Here's where we start to focus in on how much progress did I make? Am I lifting heavy weights? Did I get breathless? Did I feel any burning in my muscles? Not just is there a pool of sweat around me once I get off the treadmill or whatever piece of equipment or, you know, lifting, so forth. Um, sweat does not equate to an intense workout, how many calories you burned or how many fat was burned. It's, it, it, there's no measurement in that. <laughs> like you can't, uh, take sit down and like measure like oh three inches of sweat that must be four million calories like it just doesn't work like that you know so here's where i, I want us to start to start to think about you know what sweat does sweat just regulates our body's temperature you know our most people our core temperature is 98.6 so as soon as we get to a certain threshold our body says oh we're starting to get hot let's sweat and by your body sweating that is starting to lower our core temperature and so what might surprise you here is that the more the fitter i am the less likely i am to start sweating sooner because my body has been trained to be like Oh, okay. Yeah, she's working out. We we know this. We, we we've been here before, and so it is our. We get, you know, as we get fitter, we get more of a delay into when we start uh, start sweating. And this is from the Journal of Applied Physiology. Um, the same thing comes with um, those hot workouts. You know, I, I see them all the time. Come in and do a hot spin class, followed by hot strength training, followed by hot whatever. <sighs> sorry, you're not burning more calories. Despite the marketing, you are not burning more calories. You are. You might feel like you're getting a better workout because in the heat, you're going to be a little bit more limber. You're going to have a little bit bigger range of motion. You Heat makes you more naturally relaxed. But it is not a better workout to do, do hot. And if you are doing those hot, uh, hot workouts, make sure you are hydrated because you can really run the risk of being dehydrated because I'm I'm in a hot environment, which is already exertion. And then I'm coupling a workout on top of that. So that is just like a double exertion. And I just need to make sure that I am properly hydrated if those are the types of workouts I choose to do. Um, so one of the best ways to work out, to measure your workout intensity, I love it. It's a uh, it's called RPE. It's like the rate of perceived exertion. And one is very light. Um, and then 10 is like where you're working at your, at your max. And so here's where you kind of decide like, what are the, what are the days that, you know, you're going to work out some days? Like I didn't get enough sleep. Like, am I going to be working out at 10? Probably not. Can I be working out at 10 for 40 minutes? Probably not. You know, so the thing about like a 10 is like, like, it's like a full out like sprint. So like, you know, you might be sprinting, 
one or two minutes. And then you're like, Whoo, I got to catch my breath. Got to catch my breath and so forth. So think about that as a way to measure your workout versus like, Oh, I had to wring out my Lulu's in the tub when I got home for my workout. Uh, next me brings us in to skipping meals and Skipping meals can lower your metabolism or lead you to overeating later in the day. And I, I, I see this a, a lot with, um, and this is different from intermittent fasting. So we're going to talk about intermittent fasting a little bit. Uh, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about this and then we'll talk about intermittent fasting. So this is literally like, um, you have those days where, uh, when I worked in corporate, I would go to the office and I would have my, my, my breakfast in, in my bag. And I would sit down at my desk and I had this, you know, this romanticized that I'm going to be able to sit at my desk and, you know, start working. But Sam comes by my desk and he's like, Hey, Kim, uh, you need to hop into this meeting and talk about blah. So I didn't even get a chance to, you know, go heat my water for my oatmeal. And then you know, so that's nine o'clock and then I'm in the meeting for an hour and then I, another fire happens, another fire. And the next thing you know, it's one o'clock and I haven't eaten anything. So that's not intermittent fasting. That's it just my day just blew up in my face. And I know many clients of mine, that happens for them. Like their day just like blows up in front of their face. So that's, that is like, you know, so then of course my, I'm, at this point I'm starving and if it's not nailed down, it's going to my mouth. All right. So that's, uh, that's by, you know, n- skipping meals. Um, the other is I know I'm going to a big event at the end of the evening. I'm going out to dinner with my sweetie. I'm going to a Christmas party. I'm going to whatever. I'm not going to eat so that I can eat then. And that's kind of a, a recipe for a disaster uh, happening there. So now let's talk about intermittent fasting. And I hear this a lot, you know, intermittent fasting, especially for um, menopausal women, perimenopausal women, um, it's become this big thing like, oh, intermittent fasting, woo, it is going to save you from your sales. Okay, here's what I feel. Intermittent fasting may work for some of you. It's not this one solution, one size fits all solution. Right. So here's what I know is that you need to work on a balanced metabolism. For many women over 40, you've been on 10 plus diets. And many of you, your metabolism is like a very fragile state. And so as you start to look at intermittent fast, you're like, all these people are losing weight. At the end of the day, losing weight comes down to a calorie restriction. Am I not losing weight because I'm under eating? Am I not losing weight because I'm eating in a disordered way? Am I eating? Am I not losing weight because I have a um, unhealthy relationship with food? Am I not losing weight because I'm an overtrainer and an under eater? Am I losing weight because I'm an overeater? Now, when I say overeater, it could be both. It could be I just overeat just a lot of food or I overeat clean food because I'm, I bought into the, uh, bought into the notion that I need to have five meals a day, right? Those are the questions that I, I ask. And 
I feel that intermittent fasting, like I said, isn't for one size fits all. Um, I do feel that intermittent fasting um, has its merits. Um, there are, I think, periods of time for intermittent fasting. I don't think it is a way of life. I feel that it is. Um, I'm, I'm a big seasonal approach to weight loss. Um, and so I think I need to do another podcast on that one. Um, the seasonal approach is that every 90 days, I'm looking at my nutrition. And I'm looking at my workouts and saying, what's going on with my life and making changes to the nutrition or the workouts based on what's going on in my life. So um, what I was able to do, because I want to make sure I back this up with research, is that uh, the JAMA uh, Network Open Journal, they talked, they did uh, an analysis about uh, intermittent fasting on women. And they said they, they did it to women who were doing what was called an alternate day fast. So they um, ate normal for five days and they fasted for two. And so they said there was a a statistically significant weight loss of more than 5% in adults who are overweight or obese. Okay. Let me be very clear, overweight or obese. And I think many of you listening don't fall into that category, but I just wanted to like make sure I was clear, but they did find that time restricting Time-restricted eating, was they were more successful when they did it for six months and then went to on to eating something else, which basically they were saying after six months, most people experience a weight plateau. So again, like I'm a huge fan of periodization, not only for my workouts, but for my nutrition. Then there was an, another study, the Biological Research for Nursing. It said that the majority of the short-term studies did in fact lose weight but not any more than those who are doing other calorie restriction eating plans. So like I said, if I am, I've found my calorie deficit, right? So I'm making this number up. So if my body, um, if I know that I can maintain my weight at 2000 calories, then I'm going to do my best to eat less than 2000 calories so that my body is in a deficit. So maybe one day I'm eating at 1500 calories. One day I'm eating at 1600 calories. One day I'm eating at 1800 calories, right? But as long as it's below, and I don't want to go too radically below because when I get too hungry, we all know what happens, right? You lose your stuff. (laughs) You lose your stuff when you get too hungry. So that leads me into another thing that people talk about, carbs. Carbs are not bad. And, you know, there's a person on the internet or the interwebs that talks about um, uh, being a carnivore, right? And eating primarily um, meats, uh, primarily meats. um, And then, you know, we have the whole keto thing. Here's the thing. Again, I feel like there is a season. Um, but the thing with carbs is that they are essential for energy. Um, and, you know, no one overeats spaghetti squash. No one overeats broccoli. Right. We overeat cookies. We overeat cakes. We overeat breads. Those are the things that we have a tendency to overeat. So if we choose the right carbs and we use portion control they are your friend right um the other thing i'm going to talk about here is that um i do have a lot of ladies who choose a more plant-based life and that's okay here's what i really i want to drive this point home is that every plant-based protein 
comes with higher carbs. And so if you're someone who is trying to lose weight, you really need to look at that balance of, you know, having a cup of black beans versus a cup of broccoli. Very different because you're going to have a ton more starchy carbohydrates in that that can of black beans than you will in that cup of broccoli. So I want you to start, you know, as I as you're doing that, start to look at it and it those kind of um decisions become a little bit more nuanced, right? Because you have to start really looking at the numbers and how what you're eating is impacting um, losing uh, losing the weight of that or changing your body composition if that's what you're looking for. The other thing we, we, we go into is you got to detox, right? I, I hear this, uh, I, you know, we, I've seen this for decades. I have to detox my body. I'm, I'm going on a detox. Who wants to join me? So our bodies have natural detox mechanism, but I will admit that yeah, sometimes things get a little jammed up. And instead of looking for detoxes, I want us to look at what is your overall nutrition intake? And for many people, that's hard. Many people are like, I don't know what I eat. That's okay. That's when you write shit down. And if you're like, I don't like to write things down. All right. Write down one thing. Write down how much protein you're getting in. Or write down how many things you eat that aren't on, will never be on the healthy food list, right? You know, how many times a day are you eating off your kid's plate? Write that down. How many times are you shoving cookies in your mouth? Write that down. How many times are you um, having fast food a week? Write that down, right? So if you don't want to write down everything, let's just write down some of the things that you know are not the path to health. And let's see if we can start to reduce that. And that might be what we do as our detox, okay? Um, but the other thing is that we have to start looking at, is our body processing the foods that we eat? You know, I, I see it a lot. You know, one of my clients, you know, her nutrition couldn't get any cleaner, right? She was just like a freaking textbook of clean eating, but she wasn't digesting it. You know, she was constipated, um, she can only eat a certain amount of food before her stomach was like, oh, no, I can't eat anymore. And it was because of her gut health. And, you know, so some doctors, it, it's starting to get a little bit more mainstream, but a lot of doctors for a long time just thought that was bunk. Um, so if you're eating foods that make you feel bloated, gassy, I want you to look at like how many like probiotic foods are you eating? Because this is like, if my gut is just junk and it's just filled with bad bacteria, if I've been on like antibiotics for decades, right? Here's where you have to start looking at it, um, looking at your probiotic food. So these are like fermented foods. These are, this isn't just activity. Like don't, I, I, I'm not even gonna start. Like, don't even go down that rabbit hole. This is like pure Greek yogurt, um, like fermented foods, like sauerkrauts, um, kombucha, but be, be mindful of kombucha because a lot of it has a lot of sugar in it. Um, uh, kimchi, those kind of um, fermented foods can really help with that overall nutrition. Um, you know, in a pinch, a probiotic um, supplement, but which leads me into this next place. I feel that there is a place for supplements, but supplements can't replace a healthy diet. You know, supplements are meant to complicate, uh, complement 
not replace a balanced diet. Okay, I can't up, up I can't outrun my food. I can't, I, I can't. As many of you want to like sprint past your food and just be like, I'm just gonna pop this magic pill and boom, my world is gonna be perfect. Like um, like Cinderella. I don't think Cinderella popped pills, but um, <laughs> she put on a magic slipper. So yeah, so think think pills are like is that yeah, that magic slipper. They're not the shortcuts to health. They, they fill in the gaps where primary nutrition are is underserving, or it's a short-term fix to get you healed. Um, so I really feel like, you know, there are a handful of, of a handful of supplements that I'm like, yes, absolutely, these should be included in your nutrition. But again, if I'm a you know a healthy person and I want everyone should be getting a physical at least once a year from a general practitioner uh, and seeing their guide. So it's like vitamin D, magnesium, a quality multivitamin, omega threes, six and nines, and creatine. Those are like the four things that most women need on a regular basis. Um, that is separate from their food. All right. So thanks for hanging with me. We are halfway through this. And I hope that like some of these are like starting to help you, you know, get a better fix on resolutions. Um, but as we, you know, work our way through this list, like I'm not looking for you to have be perfect. I'm looking about progress. Right. And so as you're kind of listening here to all of these things, I want you to be like, all right, what am I doing? And you're like, yeah, all right, I'm already doing that. Good girl, look at me, I'm crushed. But then I want you to say, what am I not doing? And what feels easy for me as we go through this list? And I will have, um, I created a whole download for you for like 24, uh, 24 ways to crush your your goals in 2024. So um, while you're listening to this, I created a supplement to this podcast that um I think many of you will find very beneficial. All right. So then I move on to treats. And, you know, if you've been following me for a while, listening to this podcast for a while, you know, I am not that girl who's going to be like, you must never, ever, ever let sugar hit, hit, hit your lips. Like a moment on the lips is a lifetime on the hips. I will never say that to you because I know firsthand what it's like, but I've also seen my clients. Like, it's just like, you're like a ticking time bomb. It's like, you're like telling someone to not have fun, a fun fruit or a drink or be social. It's like a ticking time bomb. It's going to blow up in your face. And I've seen it multiple, multiple times. So I like to think about it as like the 80, 20 rule. And, you know, I say this all the time, many of you are not at that age where like just shit just happens. We're in that age where we can plan for it a lot better. So, you know, I, I, I sit down every Sunday and I'm like, well, what's going on for the week? And I'm like, okay, on Friday, I'm going out to lunch with a bunch of my girlfriends. Okay. I am going to make sure that Monday through Thursday, Monday through Thursday, my food looks really good. So that on Friday, I can go have a glass of wine and a fun appetizer with my girlfriends and not be like, oh, my on the drive home. Oh, my God, I blew it. I need to just go to the gym stat and burn five million calories. Right. So it starts to think about like I like to think about it as a calorie budget so that if again, making this number up. So if I my budget for the week was 14,000 calories, I know that. 
I'm going to spend more money on the 15th than I normally do. And I want you to start, if I started thinking about it in that way, it's no longer these like big, like, like spikes and flows. It's like, if, if this was an ocean, you know, it's like smooth, calm waves versus like freaking tidal waves that take you out for days and weeks on. And um, in order for a workout to be good, it needs to be a certain amount of time. And I, I get that. I used to be that way. Oh, if my workout was a 90 minutes, why go? Um, you know, I would prefer a two hour workout. And now, you know, there's no, I, I've been looking and if you found it, please share with me. But there's no research out there that shows that that duration has to be the workout, right? It's just such a, um, I was caught in such like a bodybuilding space for so long. And, you know, I'm grateful there's a, one of my, um, one of my mentors really helped me break me of this. Um, and it was very freeing uh, for me. And hopefully this conversation might be an eye opener for you. It might be a little freeing for you. Um, that short, intense workouts can be just as effective for fitness and weight loss. Um, and, you know, who has the hours to spare anymore? You know, I, I'm not in my 20s and 30s anymore. And, you know, I don't have like I don't have kids, so yeah. You're like you're like Kim. You don't have kids. You got all the time in the world. Yeah, you're probably right. But do I want to have all the time in the world to go to the gym? No, right. There's other things I'd rather do with my life. Record this podcast. <laughs> uh, sit on my ass, watch a Hallmark movie. Uh, but it's all about being efficient. And one of the big ways that I really saw this is in the CrossFit. Right, CrossFit. You know, for all the things you can say about CrossFit. Most of their workouts last 20 minutes and they just like it, they found a way to make them like quick and to the point. And so that's where I've been landing. And it has just been so freeing that, you know, yeah, there are times that my workouts last a little longer. Yeah, absolutely. But for the most part, my workouts are a lot less intense, right? They're not as long or not as hard as um as they used to be back in the day all right so before i move on one of the big things i've i've, I've found with this is sprinting um and usually in my pick our magic society um i have the girls sprint probably like two to three times a week and it's like 15 minutes and it's and sprinting isn't like well how fast you, you decided, you know, I'm not asking you to be, um, what's her name? Uh, like Alice and Felix, right? You know, she's fabulous, but I'm saying run fast, run as fast as you can run. Like someone stole something from you and then catch your breath and then go again. All right. This one, you know, I asked as I was kind of prepping for this podcast, I asked people, I'm like, Hey, can you talk to me about, what you feel is like some of the myths. And this one kind of took me by surprise. And one of the things that people said was um, uh, drinking water during the workout. And I was like, I, I was just like, what? I had never heard this one before. So if you've heard this one before, do me a favor and say, yeah, I've heard that. And it's kind of weird. So anyway, I never heard this. And so actually staying hydrated during your workout is essential, especially if you're someone who's listening and you're one of those like long distance runners, you know, you need that fuel so that you're not cramping. You don't just hit the wall at, you know, 
10 miles in to like a 20 mile run. But even if I'm just at the gym and I'm just on a treadmill for 30 minutes, you need that water in there because water is your workout bestie. Um, it improves your energy levels, performance. Um, you know, if I'm sweating, it helps me to, you know, mitigate the water that's leaving my body as, as I bring water in. So keep that water bottle handy during your workouts. All right. I don't know where the Smith came from, but that's definitely something that needs to G. Oh, all right. I got two more. Hang with me, friends. Two more. And then we are done. All right. Crunches. Ah! Crunches give you a, a flat stomach. Okay. I see it all the time, right? People are like, I need to do all the ab exercises in order to get the abs. If you have a layer of fat on top of your abs, that's like saying, hey, hold this pencil and you will get abs. Ah! All right, friends. So this is how it works. Underneath my muscle, underneath the fat, I have muscle. And crunches, as much as they feel really good, kind of like sweat feels really good, crunches are not going to give me the abs. What abs do, what their true function of abs is to keep your upper body from falling into your lower body, all right? They're to help you learn how to manage you know, moving my upper body into my lower body and move my lower body into my upper body without me just like collapsing. That's the main job of, of your core, not like abs. That's just, that's a byproduct. So crunches, sure, they have their place. However, there are other exercises like planks, leg raises, even yoga, Pilates, that'll help you with a better, um, torso because it'll teach you how to control your core in motion, right? Because I don't ever see anything in life with me crunching, doing the crunches, right? When I'm out in the world, I'm not moving in that, in that uh, fashion, if you will. Um, so that, and the other thing about abs is that, you know, as much as people say abs are in the kitchen, yeah, absolutely. And if, and then over 40 abs are made by our hormones, right? A lot of that belly fat comes from hormones. And, you know, I have a whole podcast all about belly fat and we can talk deeper and deeper about belly fat on that podcast. Um, and then here's this, the last one I want to share that we, we touched about it on strength training way back when, but muscle does not turn to fat. If you stop working out muscle and fat are two very different tissues. What you are seeing when you think muscle goes to fat is what you're seeing is that you are muscle without muscle tone. So the flab that you're seeing isn't fat. It is untoned muscle. And so when you, like we went, we go back to what we talked about strength training. If I'm losing three to 5% of my muscle every decade. And so say I'm 35 at 45, I might start to see something like that. If I still don't do anything from 45 to 55, I'm definitely going to see something from 55 to 65. I'm definitely going to see something. And then at age 65, I'm for sure going to see something if I don't do something about this. Okay. So it's not that muscle turns to fat. It's just, you're looking at untoned muscle. And for everyone who wants to tone up, that is the anti-tone of your muscle. So 
I hope that everything I gave you here was very enlightening, that you were able to be like, wow, I didn't know that. I didn't realize this. And if there's other things you want to talk about, do me a favor, hit me up. I always want to make sure that you are well educated because there's a lot of malarkey running around the interwebs, the internet and cocktail parties. So if you've liked what you heard, I got 24 way, more ways to help you crush your goals in 2024. If you'd like a copy, do me a favor, pop down into the show notes and grab yourself the link. Other than that, here's to an awesome 2024. Thank you so much for being an amazing listener. Thank you so much for just tuning in. And if there is somebody who needs to share this, absolutely do me a favor and hit them up with this. The more, the merrier. Don't keep this to yourself, ladies. All right. Have a magical day. And I will talk to you in 2024. Thank you for listening to the Fit Girl Magic Podcast. If you've made it this far, yay. I'm thinking you enjoyed the show. Let's continue the conversation on Instagram. You can find me at Kim Jefferson Coach. In order for me to keep sharing this message, do me a favor and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe so that you won't miss an episode. New episodes are available every Wednesday. The Fit Girl Magic Podcast is intended to provide you with tips, tools, and strategies that will help you make better decisions about your health. I really appreciate your feedback and your support. Thank you so much.